Section 17 of The Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. 8. The Diamonds. 1. The One Diamond. Harold Brooke had a watchmaker's glass fitted in his eye. Through it, he was intently regarding something which he held in his hand one of the two finest diamonds which ever came out of africa gone wrong i wonder what fungst will say he moved to the window under the stronger light he renewed his examination of the crystal through the little microscopic lens it'll be an affair of perhaps half an hour i've known it happen in less tyrrell shall have it he laughed <laughs> hard on tyrrell but harder still on me he and i will share the loss i wonder what fungst will say according to him we had captured two of the finest diamonds africa had ever yet produced they were to make our fortunes <laughs> well tyrrell shall have a chance of making his i wonder how far his knowledge of this sort of thing may go a few minutes afterwards a hansom dashed up in front of a quaint little shop in the neighbourhood of st john's square clerkenwell mr brooke sprang out and entered the shop a young man was its only occupant tyrrell i've brought you the diamond the young man behind the counter gave a perceptible start i've changed my mind you shall have it cheap cheap dirt cheap you shall have it for a thousand pounds a thousand pounds yes a thousand pounds but it must be money down i leave england to-night there are reasons which compel me i don't know when i may return is it a bargain here is the stone mr tyrrell took it with a hand which trembled he gave just one glance at it his eyes gleamed will a cheque do an open cheque mr tyrrell wrote an open cheque for a thousand pounds he handed it to mr brooke with a mere thanks that gentleman passed from the shop sprang into the hansom and was driven away mr tyrrell stared after him amazed i wonder what's up now he picked up his purchase from where he had placed it on the counter his hand still trembled he went from the shop into an inner room mary i've bought the diamond a note of exultation was in his voice a young woman was leaving the room a pile of linen in her arms at the sound of her husband's voice she turned mr brooks diamond mr brooks what do you think i gave for it a thousand pounds a thousand pounds i think that brooks gone mad he might have got ten times the sum from almost any one he says that he has had a sudden call abroad and wants the cash it's his affair not mine anyhow i've bought the diamond i gave him what he asked for it here it is mrs tyrrell laid her pile of linen on the table she took the stone which her husband held out to her she selected a watchmaker's glass from among several which were on the mantel-shelf fitting it into her eye she examined the stone under the light of the window what a beauty she drew it closer to her eye what a beautiful stone she turned it over and over in her hand what is this speck of light right in the very heart of it 
what speck of light mr tyrrel selected a glass on his own account in his turn he examined the stone hardly had he fitted the glass in its place when he gave an exclamation he went nearer to the window give me a higher power she chose another glass from those upon the shelf she noticed that her husband's face had all at once turned pale what is the matter he made no immediate answer but no sooner had he begun to examine his purchase with the lens of higher power than he staggered back against the wall he took the glass out of his eye he looked round the room like a man who had received a sudden shock all his animation of a moment before had disappeared he's he's ruined me the thief i understand it now why he wanted the cash his haste and the call abroad oh what a fool i was i had seen the stone so often i thought i knew it so well that i never thought of looking at it i snapped him i thought he'd change his mind and he snapped me his wife advanced to him james what is wrong isn't it the stone you thought it was he laid his hand lightly on her arm hush there's someone in the shop see who it is she peeped through the curtain which screened the door it's mr hart what does he want with his handkerchief mr tyrrel mopped his brow i'll i'll go and see in the shop there was a tall portly gentleman his overcoat which was unbuttoned was lined and trimmed with fur about him there was an odour of wealth how do tyrrel how do mrs hart's going to be presented at the first drawing-room sheriff's wife and that sort of thing you know and i want to give her something neat in diamonds thought i'd give you a turn get them in the rough knew your father he and i have had many a deal together got anything good just now mr tyrrel looked round and round the shop he glanced behind him at the door which led into the inner room he drew a long breath i i happen to have one of the finest stones in england mr hart dare say there are a good many of the finest stones in england about just now and you want one of the finest prices in england for it too you are yourself something of a judge of diamonds i am something here is the stone examine it for yourself mr tyrrel handed the stone to mr hart as he did so it was to be noticed that his hand still trembled he mopped his brow as his visitor turned the stone over and over in his hands his lips seemed parched mr hart took the stone to the door got a glass he asked mr tyrrel hunted out a spy-glass he seemed to have some difficulty in finding one mr hart fitted it into his eye not a very strong glass this one of yours i've seen stronger but it's good enough to enable me to see that this is something like a diamond what's the figure mr tyrrel moistened his lips two thousand pounds too much it's dirt cheap mr hart i've seen worse stones than that sold for ten thousand pounds but i happen to be very much in want of ready cash i don't deny that the stone's a good one but it's in the rough and it may cut up rough and two thousand pounds is more than i care to pay for an ornament for a drawing-room even though that drawing-room be her majesty's 
but i'll tell you what i'll do as i knew your father i'll give you a cheque for fifteen hundred down upon the nail again mr tyrrell moistened his lips i'll accept it a cheque changed hands almost as expeditiously as the one for a smaller amount had changed hands only a few minutes before mr hart departed with his purchase i think i've scored that trick if this diamond isn't worth fifteen hundred pounds and a bit more why then i'm wrong mr hart then and there took a cab to the bond street headquarters of those famous jewellers messiahs ruby and golden he was shown into the senior partner's private room i want you to set this stone for me mr ruby took very gingerly between his finger and his thumb the piece of crystal which mr hart was holding out to him on the palm of his outstretched hand a diamond i see and uncut rather a fine specimen mr ruby's eyes glistened may i ask in confidence from whom you obtained it from a friend in the trade mr hart kept his eyes fixed upon the jeweller's face his tone was dry you don't happen to know i suppose if he has any more like this to dispose of can't say that i do what's it worth you see mr hart the value of a diamond depends upon so many things to us it depends in a measure on whether we have a customer who at the moment requires just such a stone and you have such a customer i see well i bought it for my wife i want you to cut it and mount it as a pin for the hair mr ruby hesitated he turned the jewel over and over in his hand we are old friends mr hart may i ask how much you gave for this two thousand pounds it was true that mr tyrrell had asked two thousand mr hart had probably forgotten that he had beaten him down to fifteen hundred two thousand pounds you are a man of business mr hart i dare say you have no objection to making a little profit even out of a diamond i will be frank with you we happen to have a valuable customer who is particularly in want of just such a stone as this it is on that account that i venture even in mr golden's absence to offer you for your two thousand pound purchase three thousand pounds a clear profit of a thousand pounds a thousand pounds mr hart stroked his chin my dear sir i'm not reduced to selling my wife's diamonds has mrs hart yet seen the stone not yet she hasn't i bought it not half an hour ago then the thing is simplified i will carry my offer farther i will give you three thousand pounds for the stone and will allow you to select in addition any articles from our stock to the cash value of a thousand pounds the corners of mr hart's lips twitched he smiled it's a deal it was mr hart left the bond street establishment with a cheque for three thousand pounds in his pocket and in a red morocco case a set of very pretty diamond ornaments for a lady's hair the stone which he had purchased from mr tyrrell he left behind mr hart thinks himself a shrewd man mr ruby told himself when that gentleman had gone but he is not quite so shrewd as he thinks 
this is the very stone the duke is looking for unless i am mistaken he will give us for it rather more than four thousand pounds about an hour after mr golden entered mr ruby's room the senior partner rubbed his hands as the junior entered i have been indulging in a little deal while you have been out a little deal in diamonds the junior partner glanced sharply at the senior in appearance mr ruby was very different from mr golden mr ruby was large and florid mr golden was slight and dark with keen bright eyes i have lighted on the very stone we have been trying to find for the duke and i have bought it on the nail out and out the deuce you have what did you give for it three thousand in cash and a thousand in stock let me look at it mr golden held out his hand mr ruby produced a stone from the inner recesses of a large safe in a corner of the room mr golden took it to the window he examined it minutely for some moments with his naked eye then taking a spyglass from his waistcoat pocket he examined it through that scarcely had he placed the glass in its place than he sprang round at mr ruby ruby strong words seemed trembling on his lips if that were so he exercised an effort of self-control you've been done mr golden how many times have i asked you not to buy diamonds in my absence mr ruby's face was pasty-hued but but it's one of the finest diamonds i've ever seen mr golden's glance was expressive of the most supreme contempt look at it through that and tell me if you see nothing mr ruby looked at the diamond through his partner's spyglass i i can only see that it is a very beautiful stone can't you see right in the centre what looks like a speck of light now that i look into it closely there certainly does seem to be something of the kind but it is so slight that even with this strong glass it is scarcely noticeable and yet sooner or later it will shiver that stone to splinters mr golden i have seen it before and i know what it is it is a sort of disease to which african diamonds are peculiarly liable especially the finest stones i wish to goodness ruby that you would leave these things to me that speck of light is a crack in the grain of the stone it will increase in size ramifying in all directions until at a certain point the stone will shiver blow up in fact the thing may happen in ten minutes it may not happen for months it will happen some time or other to a certainty any man who really knows something of diamonds will tell you that mr ruby had sunk back in his seat he seemed ill at ease but but can't we sell it to the duke it's the very stone he wants mr golden smiled we can sell it to the duke if it lasts long enough the attempt to cut it may bring about the smash i've known it happen before to-day we'll try at any rate we'll try 
you may be wrong golden i really think you may be i may be mr golden's tone was grim i'll have it put into hand at once it's a glorious stone one of the finest stones i've ever seen it would be a bargain to any one at at ten thousand pounds end of section seventeen